Welcome, everybody, to Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. It's mid-September. We're all mid here in September, and we are looking forward to the best week in the world. Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. All of us are going to be there in person, so you can expect the unexpected like the Big Brother house. It's going to be crazy. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by... Wait, what? Somebody is missing from this show right now. Preston, who is missing? Dan. What happened? What, what, what happened to Dan? Where's Dan? Yeah, who is Dan? <laughs> who is what Dan? What is Dan? <laughs> Where <Why>? is Dan? <laughs> How is Dan? I we don't we do know. Uh Dan went on a vacation with the family to Jamaica. And if you've been following Fear and Loathing in Cinema Instagram, he has been doing some amazing posts on vacation. But I think Dan got too into our podcast. And from last week's show, which was I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, I feel like he, I mean, he said it on the show, he wanted to go live that life. And I believe he actually did. That's what he's doing this week, right? Yeah. Him and Mackay Pfeiffer, living it up. Living it, jumping on beds and going snorkeling in pools at a, a resort. It's, it's, I think Jack it's the first Black time. It makes sense for why he is there. Yeah, exactly. Is this the first time in our podcast, like all any of our podcasts, that this has happened? That he actually lived the life? Yeah. Maybe we should be doing a fantastic, is there a fest-centered movie that we could cover this week (laughs) we could i just hope he makes it back alive (laughs) i hope i hope so too we do uh but yeah i'm brian kluger and i'm joined by two hosts with the most here um i've got preston barta from denton texas he's here how are you i'm good that's preston with the capital p in between the o and the q (laughs) <laughs> wondrous sounds like you're in college and you're you're telling me what to do uh i like it that is and, a dumb line from the movie actually it it's it, i well yeah i know yeah it's uh, it's good and then all the way from miami florida who's there is it chelsea chelsea fernandez yeah um i'm feeling i'm good i'm just feeling very direct to video today that's yeah. <laughs> money that direct to video could buy yeah yes i feel like i need a wooden background right now because uh i feel very cuteness right now very cute and cuteness uh we are talking about the 2002 movie that was released in june of 2002 and that is none other than american psycho 2 directed by the one the only morgan freeman no relation <laughs> but how amazing would that be that would have been great <laughs> morgan freeman god himself directs his first movie 
American Psycho 2, but it's not the same Morgan Freeman. This movie stars Mila Kunis was my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh, This movie stars Mila Kunis and William Shatner. We're going to get into this. So, oh my God, American Psycho 2. First off, let's talk about American Psycho. (laughs) Uh, American Psycho... Patrick Bateman, based on Brett Easton Ellis's perfect novel, American Psycho, that stars one of, uh, I would say, one of my favorite actors. Would you say one of your favorite actors? He's a great actor. He is. He's a great actor. Yeah, very, very much so. The Dark Knight himself, Christian Bale, as well as, you know, everybody's favorite kooky man, um, Jared Leto, amongst other people. Willem Dafoe is also a kooky what- man. I have I have something to say about Willem Dafoe in in American Psycho, and I realized it the other day, but we'll get to that later. But American Psycho is still, I think, in my top 20 movies of all time. That movie is so good. I love the book so much, and I love how um, the director, uh, Harmon, she translated that to cinema i loved it and i love that movie do, do you chelsea do you agree do you like the first american psycho oh yeah i don't who doesn't like the first american psycho it's just it's amazing it's everything this wasn't yeah <laughs> everything this wasn't preston do you like the, the first antithesis, american the antithesis of the first oh, yeah. it's true do you do you agree uh 100 i i Definitely make a point to try to watch American Psycho once a year. Um, I'm very fond of the Steelbook release that they that came out not too long ago. I think it's great, and uh, yeah, I think it it's for me hands down Christian Bale's best performance. Yeah, it's so great. It's so wonderful on almost every level. So when American Psycho came out in the '90s. Um, I guess there was a lot of talk about Russ Easton Ellis writing another book or doing a franchise where it was like American Psycho in different cities. And then this movie came along and it was basically titled something different. It was called, it was titled the girl who wouldn't die. And it was kind of a different movie, but the studio exec somehow was like, Oh, American Psycho was so good. Let's, See, we have the rights to it because we bought it from Brett Easton Ellis. We can do whatever we want with it. Let's put it in that world and just, you know, bookend it with like the name Patrick Bateman and go from there. And boy, was that wrong. Um, I get it. They're trying to do a business and make more money, but didn't work. Uh, American Psycho 2, I believe I saw it actually when it came out because I was such a, not, not in the theater, but when it was released and because I was real excited because I um, loved the first one. I was like, oh, my God, American Psycho 2 is going to be cool. Let's do it. And boy, howdy, did I hate it um, back then. So that's why we're here today to see if that changed. Preston, when did you first see this movie? At 6 a.m. this morning. Oh, really? No. This was your virgin oh, no. watch? Oh, no. <laughs> yep. Yep. I... I I remember seeing the video cover in stores. I was a huge fan, still am, despite everything that's going on with all its cast members of that 70s show. And I just couldn't 
take uh it I don't think I could have taken it seriously watching uh Jackie be a serial killer. I just didn't never right. watched it. There's there's yes. So yeah, there's that element to it. All right, Chelsea, when did you first see this? Like two days ago. You're a virgin watch too. I'm yes, just yeah, just popped it on for uh night's entertainment and was was it I was entertained. So here's the thing about this movie. I think America so American Psycho 2 is a very different feel and a very different tone than American Psycho. If it was just called what it was originally to be titled The Girl Who Wouldn't Die and it didn't have the added post production lines and storyline of Patrick Bateman and this being like a thing, I think this movie would have been better. I think this movie I think would have stood the test of time as a cult classic and being like, oh my God, it's so silly and ridiculous. I think we like it. But adding the American psycho element to it, it really downgrades the character Patrick Bateman and that book and story. And I think that's where it lost itself because you're coming, because it's they labeled it American Psycho 2. And you're just like, oh my God, yes, this is a different thing. But like even within its first five minutes, you're just like, wait, why where are we going with this and then correct me if i'm wrong preston do you think this movie teeters on trying to be any sort of serious or do you think it really walks that line over a pool and falls in early into that pool of silly naked gun type of humor i don't know it's like in between all things because <laughs> there's there's like moments of it there might be like a line or something ridiculous happening and you, you could sit, you can make that argument. Like I almost thought there was times when I was watching it that I thought a joke was coming and I made the joke myself while I was watching it. And then she, Mila Kunis's character says a joke. And I was like, that wasn't that funny. My joke would have been better. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. There's a character named Brian in the movie and uh he she goes over to his or she he comes over to her place if i remember correctly and proceeds to uh give him a bj and but they don't have any prophylactics so has to go get one and so uh she she goes in to one of her friends to try to find one and then he's kind of sitting on her bed, going through stuff, notices that has, quote, piss sheets and a stabbing weapon in a drawer. And and then she comes in and kills him. And so in my head, I said, probably not the head you were expecting or something like that. <laughs> and she said something like uh, ribbed for her pleasure. For it her is funny pleasure. because she he he she does strangle him with a condom, which is funny, and it had potential to go in those. It just never goes full throttle on any of those things because there's. I think this is one of the most confusingly toned. The, the tone of this movie is so confusing that uh, it just didn't feel like a very confident filmmaker was making this, nor the writers. I, I mean, we'll get into it, but we can talk about character behavior up and down this film and yeah. so many pointless scenes that I feel like were made just to give airtime 
to the soundtrack that probably funded this movie. We'll see. What, what do you think, Chelsea? What What do you think about the tone of the film? The, I mean, I had just said said this to you before, but I felt like just the music in this made made it feel like Home Alone. Like I'm, like it's very like whimsical, curious, and I. The tone of this movie is all over the place. I don't know. I feel like she's the most, I mean, she is the most unreliable narrator. And I just don't really want to listen to her talk about it. Is, <laughs> is I, I guess my bottom line, I just, I don't think it's interesting enough to kind of like keep my attention to where I'm just like, I'm watching it play out and I'm like, uh, nothing's like consistent. Nothing's, nothing's, you know, going together. Right. So the first scene of the movie, going back to American Psycho 1, those characters, Patrick Bateman, some of the other characters, they just ooze like a sense of coolness. They have a motive. They, they're there and they serve a purpose and all their actions are earned. Even Patrick yeah. Bateman. They're, they're calculated and they feel calculated. Right. They're and they they're cool. Like you like them to a degree. And so at the end of American Psycho, you know, Harmon leaves it up to the viewer, even and, and in the book, you know, is everything real in Patrick Bateman's head? Did he commit all these atrocities? What is going on? And so the opening scene in American Psycho 2 shows Patrick Bateman and a girl uh, at his dinner table and he's killing her. Meanwhile, this young, like eight year old girl is watched, tied up, bound, gagged, watching her nanny or her mother being killed by Patrick Bateman. She somehow escapes. She somehow escapes her ties and kills patrick bateman this eight-year-old girl so right off the bat i'm just like this is dumb this does why would you do this to this beloved character did y'all feel that at all because it's your first time watching were you just like i want to throw a brick at the tv yeah i feel like it was like watching a alien sequel where the whole journey of like for instance, I know a lot, there's a lot of Alien 3 Defenders out there, but I'm still like kind of pissed at the beginning of that movie, just killing off everything that happened in the, in the, in Aliens. And so that's kind of what this does here. It totally undermines like Patrick Bateman as a character, like to, to think for how calculated he is that he let a, a girl slip out of duct tape. Uh, out of an eight year old, an eight year old. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. What do you think, Chelsea? I after everything built up from the first movie of how you're saying, you know, he's so calculated, he's so there, he's so, you know, detail oriented. And just this movie to kind of like shit all over that tone and his character. And I'm like, dude got taken out by a, by a little girl. Easily. So, yeah. like and so very easily now after this scene when we see this and we're just saying okay this is dumb mila kunis's character she 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 narrates the movie just like patrick bateman does in american psycho one as if she's in clueless right and she says something that's very 
that I thought was going to be cool when I first saw that. And it was something to the effect of I'm a serial killer, but I like, I'm going to take out the, all the other bad serial killers. Like I vowed to uh, kill serial killers, like a boondock snakes type of thing. Right. But what happens? That's not the case here. Why are we, why did this movie get made if that's not what's happening? Right. Well, the idea is that it's, it's a stepping stone. We're just getting the in-between because her her in-plan, in-game here is to work for the FBI. And then that would be her way in to be able to find serial killers on her own, but have the the credibility to be able to do that and not uh, get... So kind of be like a, I don't know, like a Dexter type or something. Right. And my... my, my my point of her saying that because I, I get the, it's their jumping off point, but in the movie they have scenes where they're like, yeah, you can't apply to this internship because you're a freshman or sophomore. You have to wait a year or two, but she wasn't willing to wait. Like, I feel like if she just went through the process, she probably would have been picked. It, it would have probably been better if they used the line that she says, uh, in the middle of the movie or so, or just somewhere in between the beginning and end, which is that I wanted this so bad. I'd kill anything to get it. Like that probably should have been the line right before we got the opening credits. Cause yeah, the that opening title made yeah. more sense and, and, you know, make your expectations a little more uh, like, this is what it's going to be. Right. Yeah, Cause that I whole thing like, could, yeah, that doesn't, but that doesn't show like how, like, you know, that doesn't, come over from like Patrick Bateman's kind of like very calculated. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the correct time. She's like, no, I just want it now. And it just, I don't know. It showed how much of kind of like a, I know it was a college movie, but it felt like a a very much like a high school, just the way they were talking as well. Oh yeah. Um, But I just, to your point of if she would have just like risen up through the system i feel like she would have done okay um but i guess she didn't have the patience no i don't think she did i think she wanted to do it all right then and right right there so i'm looking up the writers of this movie and the writer of this movie um there are two two. so alex sanger was additional crew and a production executive and an assistant to Mr. Rudin on First Wives Club, Ransom, and American Psycho 2. Um, and he also wrote the screenplay. And that's all he's done. And then Karen Craig... I was trying to figure out the who if they've gone on to anything else. And no, Forbidden Secrets uh, TV movie. And then this. It, so that makes sense. Uh, because this movie just, you're, you're trying to figure out cause it's so confused that I think the movie confused me and it still confuses me when I watched it last night of her motive. Like I get that she wants to be the Dexter character, but is this, cause it seems like in the eight ep- seasons of Dexter, he didn't really kill anybody that didn't need to be killed. Like he was still killing mostly uh, serial killers, except for people who caught him and he had to make a choice. But 
here we've seen a pattern here between our last two this movie and the last one of having like meaningless kills in there just for the sake of the kill count not lot story logic right but i would say in i still know what you did last summer the kills were earned and super fun to watch here none of the kills happen on screen they're even the, the one we just talked about about strangling with the condom like that whole scene when you just see his body flail around you're just like wait he just didn't turn over or he couldn't get away from that because like he was just like a fit like a fish out of water <laughs> and it didn't make sense that he would get choked by a condom yeah i kept wondering is this movie rated pg-13 right because there's like not a lot of blood in there because i couldn't remember because i remember what so i watched it on peacock because it is streaming yeah. there and it says like graphic violence and i was like i don't remember graphic violence but maybe but like chelsea were you upset about the lack of violence and gore in this or do you think it worked better kind of not showing the the murders no i i mean if if you're gonna promise me american psycho 2 i'm gonna want some yeah. kind of gore and some kind of like creative kill count to that i but there was none absolutely none of it yeah none of it not only that she, anytime she kills she lives she leaves behind the biggest trail of breadcrumbs like they're not even crumbs they're fucking loafs mm -hmm. like they're in the beginning sequence that we were talking about she walks out the door as a little girl and there's a lady walking in the hallway notices her and it it's just like there there are witnesses there are not even police here that are concerned whatsoever well, that, that's the other thing about this movie how many people does she kill and there's no mention of police or finding the bodies or storylines because usually in movies yeah. like this you'll hear like oh my god kids are talking about students are talking about oh did you hear the professor died or do you hear this kid died we don't hear any of that it's like nothing none of it happened yeah you don't have a william a willem defoe character in here that's kind of like doing this whole cat and mouse thing to allow the dialogue to happen like patrick bateman's kind of feeling like one-upped and so he wants to be able to you know take him to task a little bit through that and it's just like this smart subtlety just like these things that are going on there's not an ounce of subtlety in this movie everything is so spoken out either through narration or dialogue like everything is just so clear-cut right and so do you think mila kunis's voice is made for narration uh in a ted movie <laughs> in a ted movie <laughs> no no no, like she didn't, I don't, I mean, I get it. It's Mila Kunis and you hear her on Family Guy and everything else, but narration like a Scorsese movie, it does not work. I just hear- yeah, Especially me. when you're saying some of the lines that she says. What did you say, Chelsea? I just said, I just hear Meg talking about murder. <laughs> trying to get into Quantico. And you're wanting to hear Peter, shut up, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny. Um, so with Mila Kunis in this movie, let's talk about the other star in this movie, which doesn't make sense either, but it's a really funny role. And I think it's the better role is William Shatner, who plays a guy named Starkman. <laughs> Bobby. 
Bobby Starkman. Bobby. Bobby. Um, and he is kind of a stereotypical, you know, sleazy professor who teaches serial killer courses. He's very renowned, allegedly, but he sleeps with his students and he's getting them gifts. You know, he even has like that amazing little scene where he has his hands and it drops like a little silver heart necklace and gives it to a student it's and so with all of this being said what do you th- how do you th- like um william shatner's character here is he the best part of the movie absolutely you think so why i i, I mean i mean give me give me william shatner acting a fool for probably a little bit of a check um uh i i just like but i just like william shatner period so that's that's my i'm biased so it's hard to believe this was 21 years ago (laughs) it's crazy i I mean does he get the acting award here or does mila get is there any redeemable quality of mila kunis as an actress here like is she is she stale is she wooden or is she really putting on the character or is it William Shatner knew what movie he was in and he he owned it? Shatner knew what movie he was in. He absolutely <laughs> knew what movie he was in. Mila Kunis, I just think that just tonally was, and I don't know if it was a combination of her, you know, her acting and the actual writing, um, but just tonally it was all over the place and, and it just made me feel icky. Yeah, Preston. I think everybody just read their lines. <laughs> There's cue cards as it was SNL and here read. Yeah. <laughs> but I will to to your point, Brian, about William Shatner being the best thing in this. There's a great scene leading up to his demise, where any human reaction would be fear of some or just something. All he has is mild concern, and it's. <laughs> It's just like when he realizes that Milo Kunis's character has on the necklace that you just referenced, Brian, and has on the dress of the girl that uh, William Shatner's Bobby was having uh, a relationship with, that he's just like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's just it's, it's Shatner being Shatner. He's like, hey, there's somebody in the room. <laughs> it's so funny i get that when he's doing that in my in my mind while i was watching it i i picked up on that again and i was like is he just so distraught over yeah his mistress love was dead and like this person was trying and he didn't know how to do his emotions i don't know yeah his kill is so like i had no idea what happened cartoony i I don't know if it's because he was like so as you said distraught and just kind of fell out the window (laughs) he acts like he was poisoned i don't know i i we don't know it was like he was he was falling down he was and he just fell out backwards out the window it makes no sense did you like that scene chelsea uh i i i agree with preston with the whole i was just like what the fuck? Why isn't he like actually 
like reacting to it. It's, you know, just like, oh, the dress, where'd you get that necklace? And then it's like kind of okay instead of like get away from me. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I, I did, I had a huge giggle to see him fall out backwards out of that window. So that entertained me. Yeah. Nobody has reads on red flags in this movie at all. Right, right. That's one of my things. She wants to be an FBI profiler. She is the worst FBI profiler. Yeah. She is because she makes mistakes. And she gets too much credit. She yeah. gets way too much credit by the uh, the psychiatrist author at the very end of the movie. It's oh like my more God. calculated than Bundy. I was like, bullshit. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree because that it negates the scene if she's so calculated and she knows what she's doing. She would have picked up on one of her fellow students, the the black guy who looks like he was going to actually be a serial killer. She didn't pick yeah. that up until she actually saw his doodles. Girls. Yeah. And then she kills him in the middle of a public library and gets yeah. away with it. Yeah. And you that hear was... a scream. Yeah. It's, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what. She's got just... Superman powers that, that hoodie. Cause there's a point at the, the last shot of the movie, like she puts on the hoodie and yeah, out, and then the cop he has like, the invisibility cloak from Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. You get to see the superhuman kill of the mop going through the janitor. That so like that was the other kill. thing when she killed the poor janitor who just kind of witnessed something, and yeah. he the next shot you see of him is in a dumpster, and there is a mop broom handle sticking out of his head. You have to be so strong to do that, unless she broke it with her knee like a wrestler and just stabbed it in there but in the top of his head that's like the strong part of the skull i don't through his mouth i want to say it went through the it was it was like oh it was through here it wasn't just up here no it was through here okay so that makes more sense then but still she's got that that jason lives strength yeah it's but it's mila kuna she's 95 pounds is she mm-hmm. really doing this yeah. with that and taking out these larger people? Um, that's what makes it also not really reliable. Um, <laughs> it's so crazy. So Mila Kunis and William Shatner, what do you, did they have chemistry at all? Do you think they actually meshed well on screen? Cause I didn't I buy go it. Back to my reading the lines thing. It's just like everybody's doing their part. I don't, I, I don't believe any relationship in this movie, really. Well, it, it was yeah. said it was said in interviews with Mila that she said that the movie was billed one way to her as the first round of the filming was going. And then when the studio stepped in and said, we're going to make it American Psycho 2, she like boycotted it. She tried to get signatures to not get it released and not get it to be done. But of course, she was overruled. So she didn't want this to happen. And I praise her for that because she's like, oh, yeah, American Psycho, we don't want to be part of this. this is not this movie. But, you know, you try to see both sides to it. And in a studio exec world and a movie studio is like, we have to make money. Let's we have the rights to this. Let's stamp this. and post-production take two days and film hey patrick bateman patrick bateman and that's what they did it seemed like even overdub yeah i was gonna say i actually pulled a quote from um from this and it said 
she expressed embarrassment over the film and spoke out against the idea of a no- another one entirely. Please, someone stop this. Write a petition. When I did the second one, I didn't know it was supposed to be American Psycho 2. It was supposed to be a different project and it was re-edited, but it was bad. <laughs> That's a direct quote from an interview that she did. So, And so I'm curious if like Morgan Freeman, the director, not the actor, and the writers had something better on their hands and the studio was like, this is not going to make any money, but we have to make some sort of money. Let's slap this on it. And maybe the directors were like, no, 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 no. But they didn't have any say really in the final edit. I don't know. I don't know. I think even if we go back to your original question about extracting all its American psychoness, it's still a bad movie. Like it's there. But it could be a bad, but uh, so bad it's a good movie. I don't know. You don't don't know? know. There's like I said, there's there's not enough to show me even in these little moments throughout that it just completely will commit to being something that is so ridiculous. It's funny. Bad yeah, movie. There you go. Just there you go. It's not. It's not like Wild Things. Like Wild <laughs> Things is a terrific piece of trash that is ridiculous, but so funny and entertaining. But still manages to be intense and yeah. uh, you know pull the rug from under you and feel earned. All right. Yeah, this had no redeeming qualities. Yeah. So I'm curious, y'all's first time watching this movie. What did y'all think about when Mila Kunis's parents showed up? <laughs> because it doesn't make sense whatsoever. And like their uh, oblivious ability to not know who their daughter is, really. Like, what do you think about that? Like, they showed up and it's like, hey, that's the guy from that TV show. And <laughs> you see them and they're just like, they're just so non-existent in the life. Was this written after? Or why were they put in there? They made no, there, there was no reason for them to be in there, right? No, I I know there was a there. It was like a a callback to something she had said earlier, just like my parents are coming and stuff. So I was kind of waiting for them to to come to, you know, visit her. But that was just like the most awkward entrance of any parents ever. Yeah, I like they came into her dorm room. They sat down for 10 seconds and it was like, okay, yeah, we're going to leave. We'll pick you back. Yeah. I, I would say that it, it's they were they were brought up, but also going into her dorm room slightly uh, sets up that the body of Rachel is in is in her dorm room in the closet because her mom sprays the perfume. Yeah, kind of that because when you first see this corpse, it looks like man that probably smells awful in there and i think that's the best part of the movie is seeing that gross corpse you're just like oh man she's had that in there the whole time this is cool this is kind of weird right did you feel like that i agree a hundred percent when i saw that i was like oh this is the best part of this how fucking weird and and just terrible it is and then just to see it hanging in the closet and her like talking to it and taking it out and i was you like you see oh. the flies and yeah. between all her clothes like i was oh, like cool. more of this more yeah, of it was like the scene from seven yeah <laughs> i wanted more of that and it was just 
30, you know, 30 yeah. seconds. Even when she's like moving around the body, putting it in the car, you hear the sloshing noises. Like, yeah, it's just, it's pretty good. <laughs> All right. But, yeah. Yeah. So I, I also was going to say that I did love the line, even though it's really bad when she's narrating, when they're at the dinner, when she's at the dinner with her parents and she says something like, you ever get that feeling when you just want to, you know, rip out your mom's vocal cords or serve her the early bird special of her oh. tongue? <laughs> uh, it's just, it's crazy to think about. Um, so what do you think about the therapist character who is, I guess, the hero of the movie somewhat? And why doesn't she go after him? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. That's a good question, man. Uh, I was trying to <laughs> yeah. discover his his uh, role in all this because for, for like half the movie, you're trying to you're like, oh, well, this is just her to be able to, you know, insert more dialogue and try to create moments of tension. But like Chelsea said, the music kind of undercuts that. Like there's a moment where she walks back into the office after the therapist has the first session with her and is just like, Oh my God, this, this is, uh, we're, we're, again, it's the characters that are telling us that she's more psycho than the actual scene is, but, um, she's calling William Shatner's character or he's calling William Shatner's character and saying like, Oh, like you have a student in your classroom that is like, not of sound mind and all this. And then uh, she walks back into the room and it could be a moment of real tension, um, mm. but the music is too happy-go-lucky, very like Halloween five. I don't know I brought that up, but that's just what it sounds like. It sounds like something from like a Charles Band film or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's a very bad score. I wrote that and underlined it, very mm. bad score. It, no, it is. I think that, like, like Chelsea said, it sounds like Home Alone, whimsical, or something out of Naked Gun. Like you think, like, okay, is something silly about to happen? Yeah, is is but... it going to make us laugh? But yeah, the score was totally off. Maybe it was. What do you think? Like this was, yeah, was the score totally off, Preston? Oh yeah, very, very, very bad. Um, but I, I want to try to get back to your original point of talking about the. A psychiatrist character um it, i think it's just there to somewhat he's he's there to try to uh, create some tension uh it, but it's not really felt i think it or it, it leads to the, the the ending which is very humorous to me because it it, it has the the superman moment of yeah lacuna is only putting on glasses and he doesn't realize that it's her right away and right still kind of, uh confused by it all but i i think it's just there to kind of, he's there to keep things moving and uh for her to be able to share her mind a little bit more through narration and uh or to not use narration so much so he can she can talk to him um but but that's that's about it yeah it's just to to kind of move forward the story um they serve as a little bit of a foil to each other like kind of trying to you know uh she, she's trying to outsmart him or say these weird things um but i the only thing that i get from them talking is the uh is the whole like if you could be anybody who would you be and she says like elizabeth mcguire yeah. and how that goes with the very end 
But then I couldn't stop thinking because this movie is such a kind of clusterfuck. I was like, she wants to be Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, no, that's, that's not, that's, I'm confused. But um, yeah. So Chelsea, I have a question. Do you think this American Psycho 2 movie has a great setup in the, in the instance that it's, oh, there's this, college student who has these serial killer tendencies she wants to be a serial killer so she goes to school to learn about serial killers like i think that's and to me that's a great setup but not executed well at all i think no i do i do think that it's a that it's a wonderful setup i think the execution is terrible Right, because it's, I, and I think the reason it is, again, is that she's just killing people, and it almost goes to a point of, instead of that she always wants, she is doing this to get ahead in life, to be part of this bureau Quantic, at Quantico, I feel like at some point she was just in love with William Shatner's character, and she wanted to be like the one he loved. Did y'all get that, or do you think it's still just her trying to step? I think in it's still her trying to make her climb her climb up the ladder. I think what it would have made it better is if throughout she like envisioned all these killings happening in the moment. Like, say there's the student library, and then it's just like this kind of like I imagined killing him and it's just like this very elaborate scene for the next few minutes of like her like you know like really getting graphic with it and then it cuts to like the i'm just like so it just kind of like buries her psychoticness for a little bit and then it leads to an explosion of reality at the end yeah give me a little of like a like a hannibal setup or like a even like a you setup of i just want to kind of see more how her brain works and yeah I, I don't I don't get that. Let, I just, let me discover how her brain works. Don't yeah. have her tell me. Yeah, and I and I don't <laughs> get that. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so is the best character in the movie Ricky Martin? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So my micro uh, microwave aggressions. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very it's a callback to um the first American Psycho where the the ATM tells him to feed me the cat. I feel yeah. like that was like a little bridge right there. Yeah. Um, in... Even in the I Love Lucy like uh, joke in there too. Oh yeah. She's like, Ricky, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah. The, the Rick, did, yeah, So did you think, because that was kind of the first kill of the movie for the most part with her. And I thought that was, I was like, she's talking to that lady and i'm like you're not gonna go home and and kill this this poor lady who has nothing to do with anything are you yeah and then she does yeah she does and it's kind of like okay um why why are we doing this even five minutes prior you said you only kill bad people <laughs> yeah. like it, it also would have been funnier another movie's done this but i can't remember what it is but like if they just really kind of did this lean into this whole family guy thing where they go on these tangents and they follow this lady home 
who's the employee of the month, but we get to see like how she's treated every day and just see how she decompresses for the day. Like mm -hmm. that would be funny. Like her taking, drinking some wine in a bath and you're like, what, what the hell is going on? Like what's, what's going to happen here. And then it leads to like, Oh, like Mila Kunis was there all along and watching this behavior to kind of just, you know, uh, add some flavor for her killing appetite or something like that. Like, I think some buildup with these uh, victims would have been some been more fun than what it ultimately is, which is blood splattering on a microwave and being like, okay. Um, being bludgeoned to death by your employee of the month trophy. Yeah, with their yeah, with their brain matter on it. Uh, this movie. Um, I'm so it has a seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it is it seven percent? Is it less or more? Who 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 gave it a positive review? I want to pull that review up. Let me see what that is. Yeah, hey, hey Chelsea, is there a common media, common sense media? <laughs> right up on this one. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm looking American Psycho 2 Rotten Tomatoes right now. <laughs> There's one for American Psycho. Uh. Okay, so 11%. It's at 11%. Mm -hmm. um, bloody Disgusting, Paul Lee. Okay, so here it is. It's basically everybody gave it a bad review except for this guy from Bloody Disgusting who um, reviewed it in 2023. Um, so he, he reviewed it like a couple months ago. He came back to it and gave it a good um, gave it a good review. I guess it's like, you know, coming kind of like what we do. Uh, but I, I don't want to read this, but <laughs> you don't want to read it. I'm, I'm, as a continuation, American Psycho 2 fails to live up to its beloved predecessor that was inevitable as soon as some higher up made a foolish decision. But as a campy, quirky, good for her comedy with a slasher element, that is something that Disparaged uh, sequel has going for itself. So I guess when I said earlier, is this if this was not in the American Psycho realm, if it was the dumb movie it is, do you think it would be loved better? If you want campy and quirky and good for her, just go watch Jennifer's Body again. Mm -hmm. Right, it's a that's a much better movie. Is there a redeeming quality? I guess this reviewer from Bloody Disgusting says yes, there is. If you take out the American psychoness to it, I think there's there's very light traces of it, very light, but it's it's it just doesn't seem. Um, I'm through, I don't know, maybe through the re-edit, who, who knows really yeah. what this would have looked like had it, like, what did Mila Kunis originally see in this? Was it better than what the, the script shows us? I, I don't know. Um, I'm sure it ultimately would have been a slightly better movie, but I, I, I still don't believe that it would have been as, I don't, I don't think it would be a memorable one. Me. Yeah, I'm I'm reading some of the quotes from Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Walter Chaw says the first mistake I suspect is casting Shatner as a legendary professor and Kunis as a brilliant college student. Where's Polly Shore as the rocket rocket scientist? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, 
David Nusser said William Shatner as a pompous professor is the sole bright spot. And um, Paul Matchik said one of the oddest and most inexplicable sequels in movie history. <laughs> and can you, I mean, I guess this is technically a sequel, but is it though? Like, is it, I mean, they build it as, but very like in post-production, it was a last thought to do it. Stacked on. Stacked yeah, yeah. on. So, I don't know. Is there a John Wick reference to this movie? The mop to the head, man. I guess so. That would be it. I mean, no guns in this movie that I can remember. Except that we have to talk about this. I can't believe I almost forgot about this. Oh, my God. The fucking worst police chase in history. And I'm trying to think, like, what were the writers and the director trying to do here? It's like, hey, we we're trying to do Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, we're like, we only have a hundred bucks to shoot this tonight, and we're gonna be driving. (laughs) Mila, you're gonna swerve into them a little bit, a couple times, and to get you to stop, he's just gonna pull his gun out and shoot it in the air in hopes that you pull over. And then the funniest thing that happened is like, this is going to happen. How do they not know this? They both get out of the car when she stops and she takes off the gun. <laughs> and I was like, this is like naked gun type of movie. Yeah. There's a lot of naked gunness with the police officers. Cause there's the, uh, we find, cause the whole time you're watching this, you're like, where are the police? Like, where is the detectiveness that's going on here? How there are people missing, and it's just like, and every like, oh, that just happens. Um, we go back to class, and everything's normal. Don't know where Freddie's at. Um, and then <laughs> we we cut to a, a sequence where we learn because uh, the psych- psychiatrist goes to the police, and then. There's this like, oh, yeah, there's been three missing uh, people reports already this month. I didn't even think it was suspicious. It's very weird. It's never happened before. And then we, we but, but then we see a flashback of the police officers going to uh, Rachel, quote, Rachel's uh, dorm room, who Mila Kunis is pretending to be because that's the, uh, the, uh, the twist yeah. is that uh, the person that we we're talking about in the closet uh, is the uh, person who uh, Mila Kunis is pretending to be the entire time. And so somebody, even though she's an orphan, and, or at least what we're told, that maybe she doesn't have a lot of friends, I don't know, um, filed a missing person report, and the police investigated are like, well, you don't look missing at all. And right, they didn't even go into case, her place. Case closed. Yeah, case they didn't closed. go into they the did, place. They yeah, didn't did they check go to the, the ID. filed it. Did yeah. they go to the person who filed it? It's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, we we went to the dorm room. She's there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that you're there. <laughs> Logic. I'm like, I don't no, know. I'm I'm fine. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm fine. Okay, okay, okay. Good we deal. Sequence where it's like, um, yeah, that's not Rachel, right? <laughs> yeah, and there and there wasn't that. The only part we got about that was when her parents said, "Why did they call you by the wrong yeah. name?" Yeah. Why did they call you like Rachel Newman? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I, I don't know. Yeah. She's the new don't man. Worry about it, Mom. <laughs> yeah. And they were so clueless that they just, yeah. It, like the interaction with Mila Kunis and her parents in that scene at the dinner table or even in the dorm room, 
it was so weird to me. It's just, yeah. it's so, it, it was not real. And a lot of these horror movies were always like, where are the parents? We right. don't need the parents here. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we didn't need the parents here. Yeah, that that was because you would make you would it would make more sense that she killed them at some point than yeah. them showing up. So yeah, like, I, like my mom wouldn't shut the F up. I killed her a long time ago. Yeah. Well, she says that in the in the dinner scene, like over yeah, narration. Well, she says that, like, don't you want to do that? Yeah, maybe you should. I don't know. <laughs> that that would have been a great invisible man type of moment. That just like, yes, I enjoy that. Yes, it's crazy. Okay, so I've got to talk about Willem Dafoe for a minute. Um, and I was wondering if that was going to come back. Yes, it is. So Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is the is the the FBI agent, the detective in the first American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Also in the and then and then in the first American Psycho, he's the detective. And then what does he show up as a detective again in? In Boondock Saints, right, right. So pretty much yes there was a firefight basically the same person maybe a little more animated in boondock saints so after american psycho 2 i put on american psycho because i had to get this bad taste out of my mouth and who shows up in american psycho at the restaurant where paul allen jared leto and um christian bale are sitting at is the waiter is the asian guy who is in bed with Paul Schmecker, Willem Dafoe's character from Boondock, uh, Saints. Boondock Saints. Same actors where he's like, I just wanted to cuddle, cuddle, you know, yeah. <laughs> and says the, says the thing. Says the lines. It's this, they're the same, it's the same actors. And it's like, wait, this had to have happened on purpose. Like something had to have happened. And Again, we've talked about American Psycho 2. Where was that character here? Like, we needed that, um, the T-Boot. of humor. Yeah. We needed something like that here, but I thought that was funny because where Boondock Saints really did go the mile of people killing bad people, which is what this movie wanted to do, but couldn't do. So I thought yeah. that was funny. I was like, oh my God, there's the same people. So I liked that part. So American Psycho 2, Chelsea. Final thoughts. Would you would did you like this? Would you recommend it? Um, I did not like it. I would not recommend it. Um, but I I I the thing that got me the best, besides the whole um, you know, hey, Rachel hanging up in her closet kind of thing. Um I, I just let out the biggest laugh when I, when I heard um, it's at the very end and he's talking about his book. She was more obsessed than Dahmer, more calculated than Bundy and certainly more faceless than Bateman. And I, I just feel like that describes this entire movie and what you you're in for. Yeah. Like, well, it's all BS, right? Yeah. It's just (laughs) put together in just, different little puzzle pieces put together and this movie doesn't know what it's supposed to be um and when they tacked on the american psycho stuff it just it made it a lot worse so it did preston final thoughts uh, 
I'll write down. So these are the notes that I took at six in the morning. Uh, this is what <laughs> I wrote down. I said, irredeemably bad, miscast, predictable last plot. Characters are nowhere near actual human behavior. Cops don't follow through with their investigations. The score is fucking dumb. Some scenes are absolutely pointless, such as a river fridge sequence, which exactly goes to what I was saying, when she's like jogging and then she goes to the river and throws a beer bottle at it. That what what that purpose that scene serves, I have no idea. I think it was just there, like I said earlier, to, you know, hey, we have a song that we didn't use that we were given. Let's put it in there. That's what it felt like to me. Um yeah, kills are god awful and lazy. No one seems concerned with anything. And but there are some lines that I really enjoyed. Uh, one of them happens pretty early on when uh, we see her when she's at college and she's narrating. She's kind of walking through. She has like her Captain America shirt with the the leather jet. So she's like a Black Panther party type of thing going on here. And then she says takes a cigarette out of somebody's mouth <laughs> and cigarettes are bad and just smokes it. And yeah. And then um, she, somebody throws, some dude throws a Frisbee at her and then he, she just like backhands it back to him. And I, I don't play games. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. And he's, when he says that line, she says, that's what your mama said. <laughs> so, that that made me laugh. Uh, the Ricky Martin thing was pretty funny. Um, there's some parts to it that feel very like early two thousands, where like one of the characters says, uh, "I'm gonna hack into. I'm gonna have one of my friends hack into the mainframe," and it just took me back to hackers. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, th- a lot of the interactions with Brian, actually, the character that we talked about, who gets Brian leads. Yeah. Uh, so he he's a real it's like he's really dumb but has a lot of money, and so he has like pickup lines like I have to eat, we have to eat, let's go eat together. Okay. I, find, <laughs> I just find that that whole play very great, including the what seems like an ADR line when when they decide to go on a date together. Uh, he's like, she says, uh, "I'll see you at eight, eight like." In between seven and nine, he's like, "Okay, I'll see you at eight. And then you hear the door close. It's like maybe five minutes later, and it's just <laughs> like one of those things where you're like, "Okay, uh, oh gosh." Um, again, this sheet thing. Um, what would have made it even better is if he actually pissed himself while he was dying. So yeah, made the piss sheets uh, serve some greater purpose. Don't give me piss sheets and then don't and then yeah not- yeah you're dangling that out there give, give me some piss <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking I'm laughing when you said she's dressed like Black Panther and my mind went to Forrest Gump saw about ruining your Black Panther party <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um, uh, that the character that's uh, William Shatner Bobby's uh, mistress one of the uh, People that's in the classroom that she's uh, that Mila Kunis is competing against. She has an answering machine that says "Leave me a quickie." Thought that was good. <laughs> I'm telling you, Preston, what you're doing right now is making this movie better in my eyes. Like you're, I'm, you're... I'm picking up these very like half second bits in a 90 minute movie. Rotten uh, Tomato score is going up, 
It's going up. Okay. All right. I'll no, keep doing more. it. Keep going. Yeah. I'm still yeah. saying oh, no. if I have some more here. Um, <laughs> uh, I loved that character actor that plays one of the police officers when they're doing the police chase and they're like looking to see how fast she's going. She's like, she's doing 60 and a 35. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. Oh, and he's like, this is a $275 ticket. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, what is going on here where the tone is all over the place? But say you go back and you take all of that out. This is a pretty funny movie, right? I think it's fun what we're doing here right now. But like, let's say you revisit this with a mindset, okay, this is bad, but I'm going to go into it knowing that it's bad. We might actually like this movie more than we do right now. I think you would just have to do it Dan's way and just have have some alcohol and talk about it. I think we'd have a good time doing that. So alcohol is should be required. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this movie needs alcohol to... Uh entertain you i hey if we were all in a theater with a bunch of people seeing this i mean is this movie on rift tracks or mystery science theater 3000 yet because it should be it it's definitely should be i mean i feel like you're just making me like this movie more like the the tiniest little bite-sized parts that maybe are good but they don't like outweigh the bad right yeah you guys sit through a lot to get to to those good parts and i think we're just blinded because it's american psycho 2 because i I legitimately right after i watched this i put on american psycho and it just still blows me away of how it was filmed in the acting in the setup in the dialogue it's genius and even watching that watching that american psycho again right afterwards American Psycho is riddled with these same, almost same silly parts, you know, of Patrick Bateman having uh, Paul Allen in his room talking about Huey Lewis in the news and becoming like very flamboyant or the impressive one of my favorite scenes in movie history is them going over their business cards and Patrick Bateman Mm -hmm. having a meltdown over it. His perfectionism is what makes him a great character too. It it is, but like there's like those silly moments. Um, try yeah. getting a reservation at Dorzia now. Like it's just it's it's wonderful. Um, I but here for some reason just none of it really makes sense with what Mila Kunis's character says at the beginning, and I feel like that's its downfall. And then not being well made. I think they should have leaned more into the gore here and they didn't. 100%. Yeah. I wonder if there's like a director's cut, if there's like a director's cut with more gore. I don't think anybody cared enough after it was released to (laughs) want to assemble that, have any funding to do that. We are here to talk about that. I, I wonder if we'll show up in the news sometime like American Psycho 2 is getting a... 4k master release <laughs> that would not think... be in the news <laughs> <laughs> we never so, know so brian would you would you recommend this at the end of the day that it's difficult um 
I think to only certain movie fans, like I think if you're a fan of Mila Kunis and William Shatner, yes. And if you're a fan of off the wall, silly, ridiculous, like serial killer movies, I guess, slasher movies that make no sense. If you're, if you're in it for the so bad, it's good aspect, then yes. Otherwise this, you skip it. Well, I already know what Chelsea thinks. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Never, never watching or talking about this again. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So if you meet Mila Kunis at some point, you're not going to say, Hey, you're going to be like, I need another apology video. She doesn't (laughs) even want to talk about it. Why would I bring it up? She doesn't even want to be associated with it. Yeah. Which is crazy. I don't know. Um, I feel like it's, it's, I mean, it's 21 years old, which is kind of insane to me. So, but yeah, there it is. We are, uh, this is American Psycho 2. It's on Peacock streaming right now. Uh, inter- Can I ask you, what oh, yeah. is your favorite direct to video movie? Like, do you have one? Like, they just, I'm trying to think through one. Was the first uh, Poison Ivy? direct or was it just all the sequels um hold on back to video movies i'm trying i'm looking it up right now oh you know what is actually really good tremors 2 so tremors 2 all but curse of chucky and cult of chucky have over 90 percent on rotten tomatoes they and i saw those when they released not in theaters but direct to video they are so good so good um, also, Lion King 2, which was <laughs> yeah. the uh, surprisingly whole Lion King movie, but told from somebody else's perspective, I thought was genius. Wasn't um, Trick or Treat direct to video? I think it came out in theaters. I think it came out in theaters, yeah. Um, Critters 3 was not in theaters. I believe that was straight to video. <laughs> <laughs> with Leo DiCaprio. Um but yeah, I think Curse of Chucky and also something that came out very recently um was the Venture Brothers movie. It's like their final Venture Brothers thing they did. It's actually really good. Um and then I'm look I'm looking and there's something that we covered Preston oh, oh where did it go? I don't oh yeah. No, wait, where did it go? I'm trying to look. Did I, I'm trying to remember if I saw Starship Troopers 2, but I can't remember. I don't think I've seen that. No. No? All right. Um, yeah, I guess that would be it. Uh, yeah, I would say Curse of Chucky, probably, because that movie was awesome. And Cult of Chucky. Those both were fantastic. That, I, that I'm seeing right now. Off the, off the top of my head, that's what I would say. What about you? Um, I mean, I haven't looked through the whole list, but I just because I just asked the question, I didn't have anything okay. in my mind other than when I just looked over there and I was like, "Oh yeah, dude, Trimmers Two is pretty pretty great." Um, and then yeah, I think Lion King Two or One and a Half is pretty fun. <laughs> um, there's a couple of Scooby Doo movies that are not too bad. The Halloween one that they did. Uh, the WWE one they did too. The WWE Scooby Doo crossover. <laughs> I can't believe they did that. Um, Chelsea, what about you? Do you ha- do you have a direct to video 
title well, that you really love? Well, when you said Lion King 2, I, I really do love Lion King 2. Um, yeah. But I'm just going over a, like, uh, a list. And I didn't know there was an 8mm 2. That yeah. was the one I was going to say to Preston. Because <laughs> we covered 8mm. And yeah. we both love that. I was like, wait, there was an 8 Who was in that movie? Uh, it wasn't Nick Cage. Um, I want to say that we were like, oh, this. we should watch this. Yeah, I think we did. There's a sequel. <laughs> Same thing with Smoking Aces 2. We were like, there's a cast in this. Is 8mm 2 called 16mm? 8mm <laughs> <laughs> squared. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, uh, my it's God. got Bruce Davidson in okay. it from X Men. Yeah. Uh, uh, Julie Benz from. Uh, Boondock Saints 2, which I don't think is a good movie. No, it's not. E- even the first one's not really a good movie either. <laughs> but, but it's fun. It was good for two or three years that we all loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. All right, all right. So, American Psycho 2. We we did it on Fear and Loathing. This is Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. We always love that you're here every week. We miss our fourth Dan Moran. We wish him safe travels back from the island of Jamaica. And uh, we look forward to seeing him this week in person in Austin for Fantastic Fest. Um, Preston, where can everybody find you? Before that, I feel like we should mention what Dan texted us to say about the movie, which is that it sucked hard. And I now believe that Mila knew Danny Masterson was a rapist. (laughs) (laughs) That is what Dan texted us last night in a in his drunken state, but also his most. You're probably going to regret that I said that. Yeah, no, it's it's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Allegedly, you have to put allegedly in front of that. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Allegedly, <laughs> that's good. Uh, you can you can find uh, me on freshfiction.tv. Fresh Fiction, um, Denton Record Chronicle, DentonRC.com. We're about to go to Fantastic Fest, so we'll have some fun coverage up here pretty soon. That's we're going to be in this bubble and we're going to enjoy it. So definitely listen to my bloody podcast. We're about to do a preview episode on there on that. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Chelsea, where can everybody find you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter, or I guess I will call it X now that it's. A little it's dead. Twitter it's it's, it's soon it's soon to be paid paid it's subscription to use it. Um, as Miss Underscore Tenenbaum, yeah, we we'll, we will be at Fantastic Fest, and for everything else, you can probably find me. Uh, and that includes like PlayStation Five, my name, um, Chelsea Nico. So there you go, perfect. I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at HighDefDigest.com, BoomstickComics.com. You can find me on the radio on Wednesdays from noon till two at Electromagnetic Radio for Soundtracks Radio. You can find me at Twitter, Instagram, Spaces, uh, Be Real, <laughs> TikTok, Brian Kluger right here. Also, other podcasts, my bloody podcast, No BS with Brian and Susan, and this fantastic Fear and Loathing one. Uh, Follow uh, Fear and Loathing on Instagram, where Dan is still doing stuff on there. Yeah, 
in the middle of his vacation in Jamaica, he is still on top of his game. It's so good. <laughs> it's wonderful. So yeah, follow us on Instagram, Fear and Loathing. We'll see you next week. Bye.